Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal! You're my boy, boo! Yo, Adrian! I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah! TV. Nice! Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Joe, welcome to the cave. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> What's going on, my friend? Nothing much. Just surviving day by day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, um, I was doing some research on you. You know, you have a new film down east. You're a writer, director. You've done a little acting, a little bit of everything. Yeah, you know, I just uh, feel like I'm a natural-born storyteller. So anything I can do to tell a story, whether it's through film or a performance, you know, I'm happiest when I'm doing that. So uh, before we dive into Down East, uh, let's let's get to know a little bit more about you. Like uh, you mentioned storytelling. How did you decide to get into this industry? And what was one of the first things that you got into? And what made yeah, you, you know, pursue th- it the most? I think it started at a really young age, actually, because I would write these stories when I was like seven. Um, and I remember when my family got our first computer, my dad encouraged me to type them up on Word. And I had this floppy disk collection and I would save all these stories on the floppy disks and I would carry them around with me. And I thought it was fascinating that I could have this whole world of ideas in my hand. And at some point, I don't remember when somebody put a video camera in my hands and that was it. Um, oh, wow. And then around around 20 years old, I dropped out of Temple University. Uh, I was studying film and I decided to you know, use the money I save for college and raise some some more financing and and create my own feature film. And that was really the crash course into filmmaking. And that's that's how I really seriously got started on the trajectory I am on today. Wow. What were like some of your favorite uh, films and TV shows growing up that uh, inspired you? I think my favorite work of all time, whether it's TV, movies, uh, is The Sopranos. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, it definitely uh, evolved for me over the years. I was in my teens when I watched it with my dad every Sunday. And, you know, I sat and I was like, well, why is nobody getting whacked in this episode? Where's all the action? But, you know, as I matured and really studied it and, and rewatched it at an older age, I was like, this is, I think it's just brilliant. And I think a lot of my creativity um, is inspired by the choices that David Chase and James Gandolfini made, you know, throughout that whole series. Uh, and then there was you, films along the way that that I just, you know, teenage angst films of, of decades past really affected me, like Rebel Without a Cause and uh, The Outsiders, films like that I was really drawn to. You mentioned The Sopranos is funny because like when this whole pandemic started and TV shows like stopped, you know, we stopped getting new shows for a little while. Me and my wife decided to rewatch The Sopranos. And even the second time around, you're like, how this show stood back then. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy. We we just rewatched it too, me and my girlfriend. And uh, you always find this may be the fifth or sixth time I think I watched it straight through. And I always feel guilty because there's so much great TV now, and I'm still rewatching The Sopranos. Um, but you pick up new things every time, and, and it gets funnier in ways, and then it gets more heartbreaking in other ways. It's it's really special. I can't wait for I can't wait for the prequel movie. Yeah, me too. It's it's going to be really awesome. So we talked about that. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about your, your new film, Down East. Like, how exciting was this project for you? And uh, what's the inspiration behind this? How did you get the idea for this? Yeah, I was actually shooting a movie in Maine called Dark Harbor a year prior to the inception of Down East. 
and we auditioned an actor, Greg Finley, who was absolutely phenomenal. Um, he just wasn't right for that particular part, but he was from Maine and my cinematographer producer, Edwin Stevens is from Maine. And they signed a, you know, they kind of came together and he's like, I've been living with this character and this idea for a while now. I would love to, you know, try and make it into a feature film. And I was honored that Greg trusted me enough to write it. So me, him, Ed Stevens and Corey Pike kind of came together and, and wrote a feature film based off of Ed's, or I'm sorry, Greg's idea. And, and we got it to a place where we were excited about it and we, and we went and shot it. Uh, without spoiling it, tell the listeners uh, a little bit about the film, what it's about. It kind of explores this underbelly of Maine where this woman returns, Emma Maddox, and she kind of starts to uncover this web of lies surrounding her brother's death seven years ago. And that puts our main character, Tommy, who's a lobster boat fisherman, on a collision course with the criminal elements of the town. I kind of describe it as a modern day on the waterfront. Uh -huh. um, it's a love story wrapped in a crime drama. Um, what was the, why Maine? Is it because uh, your fellow uh, co-workers were from there? Is that why you chose to get filmed in Maine? Yeah, I didn't travel too much when I was younger. Um, and okay. Ed Stevens brought me there for the first time when we were working on a documentary called Alice is Still Dead. Um, and I'm very excited for people to see that project as well. And when I went to Maine for the first time, I, I was just, I fell in love with it. You know, Portland specifically, where the film takes place, has got a lot of character. I'm from Philly originally. In some ways, it reminds me of Philly. You know, it's this, you know, smaller, intimate city with a, you know, it seems like they got a chip on their shoulder, but you feel like you're at, on the edge of the world when you're there, you know, and it's beautiful. The people are great. The food's amazing. Um, so whenever I have an excuse to go back, I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good summer place? I've been there a few, a few times. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. There's uh, every time I go to, I uncover a new restaurant that I, that I love. Um, and there's so much to do there. Mm. Um, how long did it take you guys to write, to write the, the script and uh, what was this film before the pandemic during it? We were lucky. We got it shot right before the pandemic hit. So we shot it in January and February in the harsh okay. winter of, uh -huh. uh, of Maine, which was fun. And I think, you know, we, we, did the first draft of the script in you know six weeks and then it sits for a while and then you go back and you work on it again so we worked on the script off and on for about six months um and then and then filmed it in the winter and then so you, got, you were able to film the whole thing in two months we were able to film the, the whole thing in six weeks really wow. um we started a week into january and then we finished halfway through february um, and luckily, again, we got it in the can before before COVID hit. But post production was a little hard um, with you know working virtually. Luckily, I had worked with the editor before and our, our sound mixer before, so we had a good collaborative working relationship, and I was able to rely on them and their inspiration and their brilliance along the way. It wasn't it didn't hurt us too bad, but I could imagine that somebody who's in post production during COVID, having never worked with some of these other you know. Um, editors and sound mixers virtually I, I could see that would be difficult so for the casting like how did you go about the casting for this we had two amazing cast directors in uh, christy Fazen and jamie rudovsky now i was lucky that when greg came to us with the project you know he was the lead so i was able to write the script with him in mind it, it was his voice in my head it was you know him in in, in the character the, the whole time but the, these casting directors, uh, Jamie and Christy, they brought in so many great, talented actors. Most of it was was casted in L.A. We flew everybody out to Maine, and then we casted some locals in some smaller roles uh, from Portland. But the casting directors made it really easy for us. 
and we had some uh, amazing, amazing performances from from some of these actors. I was very humbled and blessed that a lot of them wanted to do it, to be honest. So after you finished filming the movie, uh, how long did it take you to put everything together before submitting it? I think the process was about seven months in total after we, we finished shooting. That might be actually totally inaccurate. Um, wow. Five, five months. Yeah, about five months. Five months. I would say, so, yeah, to put it all together. Yeah. What was the goal for this whole thing? Like the, the movie? Like, well, what do you like when you tell people, I made a movie, you know, it takes place in Maine. Like, how do you like describe it to others? And like, what's your purpose of, the, of this story? Yeah, I think it's a an interesting crime drama and some of the choices and the directions we decided to take it. Uh, much like films that have these anti-love stories about two people that can't be together. Uh, films like Blue Valentine, Casablanca. Um, we kind of explore a, a story between two people that felt destined to be together that ended up not being together. And then we also take that in a new direction as well as the criminal element and the crime in the town. I feel like much like the Sopranos is exploring this, um, this crew in New Jersey that New York doesn't really take seriously. We're exploring a town with a, a criminal element that probably wouldn't survive if they were in Boston. So the choices they're making, they're, they're kind of keeping the north end of Boston and the serious criminal elements away from the town. But at the same time, they're hurting the, the community as well. So we try and make a film where we exist in this moral ambiguity, this gray area, where it's hard to decipher what's right and what's wrong. But everybody feels like they're motivated from a, a you know, positive or at least a correct standpoint. You mentioned Greg was from Maine, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, like throughout this movie, like, is there certain parts of the movie where like this really happened? Like a maybe like a little scene that he got the idea from and you guys put it in the movie? It is 100% fictional. But with okay. that being said, we all bring our own experiences to the process when we're writing. And there are things that in the film that never happened. But the seeds of it were, were based off of personal experiences for Greg, for sure, for myself. And, you know, me being not from Maine, I, I relied yeah. on Greg and everybody that was involved with, uh, you know, some insights that I might have been ignorant to. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want, you know, people to feel like I just I, an outsider coming in, just creating his own world with no, uh, <laughs> um, you know. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to make sure that that we did the, the setting justice as well. Uh, where did you submit the film for uh, it was a festival, right? Yeah. We um, premiered virtually at the garden state film festival. Um, and then we have a, a few more virtual screenings uh, and some in-person screenings on the horizon. We're going to be at world fest Houston at the end of April. We're going to be at the Beverly Hills uh, film festival, virtually uh, the Phoenix film festival. Um, so we're excited. We're, you know, the, the downside is, some of these places, you know, you can't screen in a the theater. Right. But the positive is now that it's, it's virtually more people can see it around the world. You don't have to travel and you don't have to be there in person. But there's nothing like the experience of watching a film, you know, with a group of people live in the yeah. theater. Well, what was the reaction from the first screening that you guys did from uh, the people that saw it? Yeah, we're getting uh, overwhelmingly positive feedback from the people that see it, which is really exciting for me. Um, but I try, you know, I try and temper expectations. I, I think I don't let the negative reviews get to me. So I don't get too excited about the positive reviews either. I try and reframe it in my head where I can say, is, is this story effective, right? Whether yeah. it's good, if somebody thinks it's good or bad, is really 
subjective, but did, did we make an effective story that made somebody feel something? You know, did, did somebody find a character in the film that they related to? Are they thinking differently about a situation in their life after having watched this film? That's what I really want to make sure, you know, we're telling stories that are effective, not necessarily good or bad. Um, how long before uh, the listeners um, could find it like on iTunes, on Amazon to watch it? What's your, uh, your goal date on that? That's to be determined. We're going back and forth with a few uh, companies that have different plans on how they want to distribute it, but it'll be available eventually. And I'm going to plaster and inundate everybody with how they can see yeah. it for sure. <laughs> uh, any plans about actually like opening this in a movie th- in, in the movie theaters too? Uh, probably not. I think okay. that festivals, the festival run for films of our size is, is like our theatrical run, which yeah. is the beauty of it. But in today's age, you know, you need to be a pretty big film to justify opening up in, in a theater. Um, we were definitely in the streaming age. And again, I'm just excited for people to see it um, in any way they want to consume, you know, their, their art. Yeah. As a, as a filmmaker and director, how do you feel about this whole thing now? Like, cause you can thank the pandemic for this, I guess. Like, you know, like, you know, you have all these movies that are coming out and all of a sudden like, Oh, we're not going to the movie theaters. We're going to open it one day at the movie theaters, but at the same day, you know, it's available on HBO max or Paramount or like, what's your, how do you feel about something like that as a movie maker? Yeah. Like I said, you know, there's nothing like experiencing a movie in a theater with other people. But with that being said, I think that I'm excited that anybody could access these films and these stories. And even when you look at some of these auteur directors, um, that have risen, you know, in the 70s, a lot of times they still discovered, you know, filmmaking and stories on television when they were younger. So I think we're always consuming stories on a small scale, as well as big scales. And I think it's important that people are able to just find these films and listen to these voices and, and these stories that people have said, whether it's in a movie theater, or at home, on your television, or, or on your iPad. Um, and I think it, it's good for the industry overall. I think there's going to be less money to be made um, because of the dynamic has changed, but it will motivate people that are in this business for the right reasons to tell the stories they want to tell and let these people that may not have had a voice in the past finally have a voice because it's so accessible. As a fan, is there a movie that you're looking forward to that's coming out? I just I just saw the trailer today for a movie starring Angelina Jolie and directed by uh, Tyler Sheridan. for those who want me dead, I just butchered that name. I'm pretty sure, but it's the same director who did Sicario or wrote Sicario, uh, wrote Hell or High Water, and then directed and wrote Wind River. This is his fourth feature film, and I'm I'm really excited about him because I, I admire admire his work a lot. Did, did that trailer just drop today? It just dropped today. I think it, right. I think it was released like four hours ago. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go check it out after this. Yeah, um, yeah, it looks great. Is there any other projects that you're working on that you give us a little bit of like a hint of what's coming up next for you? I am writing, writing as much as possible. Um, Sometimes I write by myself. Sometimes I write with a partner virtually through the pandemic, but I'm happiest when I'm writing. So I keep writing, keep sending my work out there into the universe and, you know, work like, like heck to try and get it made. Uh, So I'm going to just keep doing that. (laughs) Uh, Lastly, uh, Joe, how can the listeners find you on uh, social media? Uh, I'm most active on Instagram uh, at Joe Rafa. Um, but again, you'll probably be inundated with pictures of my eight year old and, and dog. So as long as you don't mind that, <laughs> feel free to uh, feel free to follow me. Uh, Joe, this was great. Uh, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast and our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Time, time, time.